Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collin. What up guys, this is Esther Clark. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation. Welcome in. Welcome in. I am one of your hosts today, Logan Jones, and I'm joined by Steve Schwartzman. What's going on, Steve? Hi, everybody. I, I'm great. And there's so much, like, screaming out loud basketball to talk about. And I mean that. I mean, there were so many moments oh this weekend gosh. that made made me and others shout out loud while we had babies asleep. Yeah, yeah. My, I love when a moment in college basketball kind of takes over the Twitter timeline. And I love it even more when you've got people like Galligan tweeting like, my neighbors and my neighbor's dogs just do not like me on days like today. So that's... Yeah. That's what we've got going on. We, yeah, we're going to talk all about um, a big Sunday in college basketball. Uh, before we do so, uh, I'll, I'll toss it over to Steve. Usually this is my responsibility because I'm not hosting, but Steve, if you want to give people just the quick show plugs before we get really going here, I will, I will leave Guys, that to you. There's a lot we're going to plug here, but first and foremost, to make it short, head over to WMBANation.com. That's where you're going to be linked to everything yes. that we've got going. I'm going to do this over again because I just burped. Guys, I'm going to I'm going to talk about a lot but to cut it short right at the stop. Head over to wmbanation.com, bookmark that sucker. Uh that's where we're going to be able to link you over to everything that we have going on with the show. You can get access to all of our episodes. We even have some blog pieces that Logan and Kyle haven't put it together here and there. And you never know when fun stuff there is going to go on. That'll link you over to our Twitch where we'll do some live streaming here now and again to our playback where you can do some watch parties. Of course, connected to our socials. First and foremost, head over to Twitter. Follow us over at WNBA Nation Pod. Uh, and likewise over on Facebook. You can, of course, listen to the show anywhere that you would get your podcast. If you do listen somewhere with a review system, much like an Apple podcast, we would love a five-star review and we would love a comment. Let us know what you love about the show. Let us know what about the show uh, would improve the experience because we're always here to support our fans. Without you, we pretty much aren't a thing. If merch is your deal, and it should be your deal because merch rules, uh, you can also head over to our Teespring page. We've always got some cool designs uh, on the docket. I know Jason, who's kind of our design extraordinaire, has been piecing together some ideas uh, as we speak. So we may be getting some new pieces up there to check out. So check out 
the merch. Check out stay stay connected on Twitch. Follow us on Twitter. Head over to WNBNation.com. And there it is. Nickelodeon Magazine, please. Perfect. There's all of it. Oh my gosh. Boom. <sighs> that just I, I just unlocked memories I didn't know I had with that that last little bit there. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um goes a long way. With that out of the way, we we move on. This is this is a fun episode because uh, a lot of times we record at night, um, and I, I don't know if a lot of our listeners know this, but we we record remotely. We don't we don't get together in a studio and record. We don't have that ability yet. Hopefully, we we'll get there someday. Um, but we're in the middle of the day right now, which means uh, Steve and I have both uh, taken a, a lunch break in order to get you guys this update. But there's so much that we wanted to cover. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we did that today. So without further delay, we move on to the obvious headline. Uh, yesterday afternoon in Iowa, Caitlin Clark led her Iowa Hawkeyes over number two Indiana at home with a 34 9 and 9 stat line and a buzzer beater heard around the world, um, in order to secure one, probably the game of the year. I mean, I know it was the last game of the regular season, but it was a very fun back and forth game. It was a huge moment for Clark, who just added another several arguments for her, uh, National Player of the Year case. Uh, it also, uh, Indiana already has the, the Big Ten season title locked up. They're the number one seed going into the, the Big Ten tournament here this week. Um, but it also elevated the Hawkeyes to the second seed in the Big Ten tournament in what is, I think we can all agree, a stacked conference. My question for Steve, because I'm mean and I don't host very often, so it's fun, is who is your favorite to win the Big, Big Ten tournament this week? <laughs> Give me, I'm going to need a solid minute for that because I've got to like, pull up the perspective <laughs> bracket and everything. Um, I nearly had considered like the potential of like, do, am I just dumb enough to waste money or on, on tickets to Minnesota next week to see this tournament in person? So this, this sucker's going to be wild. Um, you know, as we're looking at it and as we're piecing it together, I mean, you're yes. looking at a high potential. It's very much that classic World War One, um, that like World War One gif. I won't explain it because we most of us know it, but like, like every team has beat every team. Every team is good. Every team could seemingly beat any team who's not South Carolina, and so it. <laughs> looking at things right now, it's tough because your top four. You've got Indiana, who have came into Sunday with one loss, lost a heartbreaker to Iowa. You've got Iowa, who got myrtled by the Turtles by Maryland earlier in the week. Yeah. You have Ohio State sitting at the four, who, um, for all reasons, are inconsistent, but could beat any team on a given day. You've got... Michigan, who you never know if Michigan's going to be untouchable or sort of nonplus. Uh, like this goes all the way up and down. I could even talk to you about how the number eight seed Nebraska has a, a talking point into making a run through this tournament. This is such a high stack tournament. <clears throat> and Indiana's going to win it. Um, that's. Oh. This is what I think is down to happen. I, I think right now Indiana is um, – they feel Final Four ready to me. And say what you want. Obviously, they just fell to Iowa at the last second. 
But keep in mind, that was a rowdy atmosphere in Iowa um, where they very nearly That's fair. had the win, and it took uh, a historic moment to put them down. If they wash that off pretty easily and, you know, they take down – I'm looking at the bracket right now. They would face, in the third round, either Michigan State or Nebraska. If they're able to wipe one of those clean pretty easily, they come in with some energy. They beat an Ohio State or potentially a Michigan, um, and they find themselves in in a final situation. I just see them having the ability – one, defensively. I think they're still the best defensive team in the conference by far. Um, and I, I just think that they have that piece put together. My thing is... Maryland has shut a lot of teams up, and I don't know how to feel about them. Like, they've been that team that's kind of... When it seems like someone is yeah. the answer, they've been the one that have stepped up and kind of said, hold on now, and have had a lot of statement wins. So they're kind of the piece together. And I know a lot of people are wondering, why not? Why aren't we bringing up Iowa? And that's why I'm passing the mic over to Logan to talk about that in a second. But Maryland's kind of my, my seeming like <coughs> there's potential there. Um, and then, you know, like I said, like you could talk me into a lot of these teams right now, though. Like if you wanted to come to me and say, like, yeah. I want to make a case for Purdue, you might be able to. Like that's how crazy the situation is. The, the Big Ten is deep, and the conference tournament this week is going to be a mess in the best possible way. I You're not alone in looking at Minneapolis and kind of thinking, that might... I mean, that there's no better place to be in basketball than, than in Minneapolis this coming week. Um, I'm with you. I think the Terps are privately thinking, you can all celebrate Iowa over Indiana all you want. We just beat the snot out of Iowa by 28 earlier this week, and Ohio State. So... Don't count us out either. Um, I think Maryland's legit. I, I think Indiana is a legit number two team in the country behind South Carolina. Um, I still am a big believer in them. I think you're right. Going on the road and playing an even contest against Iowa. I don't know. I, I really liked what I saw from, from them throughout the game. And just one team yep. had to win. And sometimes you just get beat. And a lot of times you just get beat when Caitlin Clark gets the ball at the end of the game. I do want to savor Clark's performance for a second and then kind of paint Iowa's season in the following light. This feels to me like the sort of team and the sort of player that will define the program for years and years to come. Typically, when you get a player like Caitlin Clark doing the things she's doing, um, especially if you get to build on a year like last year, she was this great, right? Like she led in scoring and assists and she was great last year. But we all knew Iowa had a lot of weaknesses. They didn't play defense. They weren't a team that I necessarily trusted to make a really deep run in March. This year, it kind of feels like they've reinforced some things. They still have some of those same flaws. But it just feels like the last two home games for Iowa, the vibes, the energy, the type of player that Caitlin Clark is, it seems like it's leading to something. And there's a very real possibility that Iowa finds itself in a final four this year because it just feels like that sort of program defining season for them. Because I think Caitlin Clark is that good. Um, yeah. She could single-handedly define the big 10 tournament against good teams like Maryland and um, now I lost to Indiana and even Michigan who we'll talk about Michigan in a second. Michigan lost a shocker to Wisconsin on Sunday, but they're still a pretty good team. I do not trust them, but they're still a pretty good team. Um, 
but she she just might single handedly be too much for the conference to handle, and I could see them winning winning that conference and, and getting a higher seed than Indiana actually if they if they do it in convincing fashion. But <sighs> that's a lot of me talking in circles just to ultimately agree with you, Steve. I think Indiana's the best team th- in the conference. I, I, um, I think among those, I think among those three teams, year. yeah. <laughs> I I really like them. I, th- I don't think. They should. The, the difference is, I don't think they should hang their heads about what happened yesterday, especially on the road in a tough environment. And at the same time, you wonder how that impacts a team. I mean, you you want to be playing your best basketball and full of confidence going into the tournament. Losing a game like that, especially when Iowa kind of tried to give it away there at the end with a really bad foul, um, mm-hmm. kind of feels like that's a game that Indiana maybe should have won. They they also they drew up a really nice play, which I I don't know if you saw this detail, but um, Iowa's coach says that uh, it was a play that they picked up from watching the Aces this summer, um, which I think is great. Yep. So Becky Hammond's a good person to, to that, take and, things from. And that play that play the, worked the, with the original plan. Like they actually yeah, yeah. that's set for a layup, and then we'll take the shot if we have to. The difference is, I think they have both had similar situations, which is like. We're comfortable with Kelsey Plum if we have to take the shot. And Iowa's like, we're extremely yeah. comfortable with Caitlin Clark if we have to take that shot. Some, something I loved, by the way. And I, so I'm not in the habit of getting on fights with people on Twitter anymore because I'm no longer in college and I know that it's pointless. Um, but, <laughs> but I did see some people yesterday kind of complaining about the, the screen that laid that Indiana girl out, um, and led to Caitlin Clark being open enough to get off the three. Um, I don't know if people are aware of this. That's what a screen is supposed to look like. <laughs> that is that is a textbook, hundred percent, like by the book screen. There, there was a time where, and this is going to be an old head take, but when Steve and I were in high school, basketball was considered a contact sport, and and you rubbed shoulder yeah. to shoulder with the person that you were setting screens with on your team, and your goal was to lay somebody out. <laughs> So that that to me actually made me pretty happy. I again, I'm a big at Indiana least, fan. I was at least get them off their year. at least but, old school phrase. You're there to throw them off their rhythm. Like it's that that's the the yeah, idea yeah. of it. That's just Monica Zanano. That's just Monica Zanano potentially watching tape as far back as like 47. Like that's Monica yeah. Zanano is one of the and, best and by the way, players I, I've watched. Footwork screening yeah. everything. That's that's all that comes I would out. love. Uh, I would love a deep Indi- or a deep Iowa. I would love a deep Indiana and an Iowa run. I love both those teams. But the more Iowa's in the tournament, I hope the more people see that um, Zanano is a big part of that team as well. Caitlin Clark is not alone in being extremely talented on that roster. Um, we move on. Of course. Uh, in terms of other Big Ten news, we kind of already covered it. Maryland, with wins over Iowa and Ohio State in the last week, um, have elevated themselves. They're actually above Iowa in the AP top 25. They're number five in the country right now. Uh, That's number absurd. 12, Michigan lost to Wisconsin and dropped five spots in the standings. They're number 17. I'm just, I'm just going to get it. This, this is not the, this is not the episode where we're going to talk about our brackets and who we trust and who we don't trust. But while we're on the big 10, I just want it kind of in stone. I do not trust that Michigan Wolverines team. I don't. And it's okay if you do. Their resume is pretty good, but they have those losses to, to Toledo and Wisconsin, and they have played in a very battle-tested, very tough conference. And I understand that. I just I have a bad feeling about them coming March, so I just wanted that on record. Um, 
before we move on. That, well, that they, is not they the bumped kind of themselves. The story of the day, but that that's actually a huge. When you really sit down and think about it, that, bumps them out of that top four spot in the tournament, which saves them around, saves them yeah. a fly around. That's actually a very costly defeat for them. I think yeah. it goes well beyond that. So now you're looking at a situation where, and 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 especially a situation where. The way the rankings are working, Ohio State and Michigan probably play each other at that point in the tournament. Anyway, it's just now they get the rest over you. And that's, you know, I think that throws some complications into it for you. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's bad to, to call that out. I mean, they've had a four game stretch that is very, very rough, Rutgers notwithstanding. Um, and yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. How they bounce back if they, you know, if they have a few days to regroup, but I don't personally see it because of how stacked this conference is. But I suppose weirder things have happened. It's not out of nowhere. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm gonna probably sound. I'm gonna sound stupid when Michigan champions the. They're gonna get the auto bit just because they're gonna win it all. They make the run because um, that crazy. It's <laughs> so, it's funny because it's just, Michigan and North Carolina. Million. Are both it's, those teams? It's such a teams deep sitting field toward the top year. of the rankings early this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's such a deep field after South Carolina. I, I think everyone's going to agree South Carolina is far and away the best team in college. Um, after that, there's 20 teams, um, and it's not all of them are going to live up to your expectations. And it, it it helps me when I'm putting together my bracket to kind of tab a couple early and be like, just remember Texas, Michigan, NC State. Those are teams that like they were supposed to be really good. They have not been as good as we thought. I don't know if they can be trusted in March. We move west to a shared Pac-12 title between Stanford and Utah. Uh, Utah, who started the year kind of on the very fringes of being ranked. We we kind of had an idea of like, it could be kind of interesting, but I don't think anybody had them as high as, let me make sure I get this right, number three in the AP poll. They are 25 and 3. They beat Stanford by 6 over the weekend in order to share the regular season Pac-12 title. Uh to me, Utah season has been one of the pleasant surprises of the year. Uh I I still am big into Stanford. I think Stanford is one of the few contenders that can really challenge South Carolina with their experience in the tournament and just good defense and having been there before. But good defense sometimes falls to extremely efficient offense and Utah can put up some points. Um, so they, they beat Stanford just days after losing to Arizona, which is another really good team. Pac 12, the top, the upper crust of the Pac 12 is really, really good. Want to have kind of a similar discussion now about what you expect here. Are you more into the new school Utah uprising or are you going to trust Stanford when it comes down to it? Just because we've seen Stanford in the tournament for years. We, we know them. We know Haley Jones and Cameron Brink well by now. Who do you think has the better vibes going into the tournament? I mean, oh man, I, 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 it's hard here because outside the north of South Carolina, you could say Stanford's probably the best coach team. They're probably riddled with the best overall pro talent when you look at where all, you know, all these players are set up with. You're looking at what it took them to fall to Utah in this game, and they probably still seem like the scarier team when it comes to tournament time. At the same time, as a current resident of Octon, Utah, <laughs> these running Utes have been the funnest. <laughs> um, 
because exactly what you said, they've kind of fallen under a lot of radar. Um, to say that they're going to win the Pac-12 tournament, for instance, is it because I think it's really what's going to come down to a seeding between these two teams, who pulls it out in the tournament. And the first matchup against Stanford was not uh, very fun for Utah, for Utah fans. Um, and it's funny because it came right off of them winning a, a nail-biter uh, against Arizona, and then they lost that game, and then they switched those results this time around, which makes life fun for everyone. Um, but this has been, like, I, I, I like this run that Utah's on. I think John Meepkins is one of the most underrated players in in the country right now, the way she's she's been rolling um, on both sides of the ball. I I like where things look as far as this goes, but at some point you do have to come down to earth a tiny bit, and it, it's hard when it comes to this point in the, how do you say it? Like when it comes to this point in the year, tournament time, this is kind of what Stanford's built for. So it's hard to say, okay, well, now we quiet this thing down and and let them do their thing. And it's just hard because you have that narrative, but then again, like, it's kind of what Arizona did a couple seasons ago. Right? Does the Pac-12 just have that juice? Yeah. yeah. That someone can sneak in and make that happen. Um, my, my right brain, or is it left brain? I don't know. Uh, I think that the logical side of me is leaning towards Stanford, but I'd love to see Utah make a run. And I'll say this, it's it goes with <clears throat> a lot of their players stepping up in big ways. They've been a lot of fun to watch, but the other side of it too is that if they maintain one of these top seeds, uh, we live an hour away from what potentially are going to be Utah hosting multiple first and second round tournament games that I would like to watch in person. So it's also just me being selfish. There could be that. Sure. Yeah, we. I don't think we have much of a. Yeah, I don't think we have much of a Utah slant on this show since none of us went to Utah. In fact, we went to a rival school of Utah in a lot of ways. Um, But in case people are curious, that was me trying. That was me trying to sing their fight song. I actually don't know the words fight song. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. But it's it's fun to see not just a. I won't say a revitalized program because they've been good since I think 2019, but they're setting records for home attendance. Um, that Sunday game against Stanford was huge. They have such a fun brand of basketball to watch this year. They lead the conference in points per game, field goal efficiency. They're just an incredibly good offense. So good, in fact, that they can top one of the best defenses in the nation, Stanford and Colorado, who, by the way, is on par with Stanford defensively this year. And is a dark horse in the upcoming March Madness bracket if you want kind of a fun pick that's also battle-tested in a good conference. I could talk a lot about Colorado, but I don't think we have time for that today. Um, they are number 20 in the AP poll, by the way. Um, I I think I trust Utah more than I trust Stanford, and I'm surprised, I'm surprised by just hearing myself say that out loud. It feels wrong. We have, we have personally gone to Minneapolis and see Stanford played in the Final Four. We, we know what they can do. We know they're well coached. We, we kind of went into the season thinking like South Carolina is going to be the best team, but there's a handful that I think could stand up to them because they know what it takes to beat them. And Sanford's defense and, and length and size is just, is a big part of that. Sometimes there's no, uh, I mean, look at the Aces championship. 
Um, sometimes there's no substitute for just going out and having a bunch of players on your team who can score from all over the floor. Um, and that's, that's what Utah does. They shoot threes from everywhere. They get inside. They shoot efficiently. They, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They still play pretty good defense. It's not like they're just a, a one dimensional team. Um, I would not be surprised if Utah comes out of the Pac 12 tournament as the tournament winner. Um, with Stanford and Colorado as, and, and also Arizona and UCLA are also pretty good teams. I don't think they're going to break into that top three and, and take the, the number one spot away from any of the, the ones I just mentioned. But the Pac-12 is another very deep conference this year. Um, and in that deep conference, Utah has answered basically every challenge. I don't know if you realize this, Steve. We had 15 ranked teams lose this weekend. <laughs> Um, it is it is a baptism. It's it's South Carolina and then just a baptism of fire <laughs> just throughout yeah. the rankings after yeah. them. And Utah and Iowa, who we've who've talked a lot about on this episode, were two of the survivors of of that extreme challenge. And I think that says something. I, winning at this point in the season means a lot. I think these wins carry a lot of weight. Yeah, um, yeah. Utah, Iowa, weirdly Yukon. It's just not a narrative we're used to talking about with them. Congrats mm. to the possession arrow for pulling you through for them mm. against DePaul. Gosh, I hate the possession arrow. Yeah, we don't have time. To this is that. this is not an anti-UConn take. I, By I think no both, means. We've both well documented our our hatred of the possession arrow predates anything UConn related. So <laughs> no, no, no. The possession arrow is just um, it, it's the dumbest rule in sports as it stands right now, and that's considering terrible. that there's another guy who's trying to make bases bigger in baseball and thinking he's fixing the sport there. <laughs> um, the, the possession arrow is worse, but no, that's not an anti-UConn thing. As a matter of fact, one of my main takeaways from that game is if you guys think losing Ozzy Fudd for a time and Paige Records for the season makes this team not interesting, Nika Mule is one of the swaggiest players in the country right now, and she's worth your attention. So you should, you should be watching UConn. They have a lot of great athletes, but... Uh, they did also survive that weird stretch, which is funny. I was actually going to jokingly be like, let's talk Big East tournament, Logan. Who's coming out of there? But, um, <laughs> we, we wouldn't necessarily have to go that far, but I love conferences. This is, this is it. Like the, the March Madness this, is the This thing. is a fun March tournament is the thing. Conference tournament every year inches closer to being more of my this favorite. This is the table thing. setting. I love conference season. Yeah. I, yeah. I this, love it so, so much. yeah, when you're when you're making your bracket, a lot of times it'll say like this team had a great season, but they fell apart in the conference tournament. Or like last year, you had Kentucky that had an average season and then did great in the conference tournament. And it was like, what is that about? Like this is this is the time of year where we do a lot of table setting for March and March's basketball Christmas. It's the best. So um, we have one more topic that I want to cover, and it's a broad one. And so I just shot you over the link for the current ranking, Steve. Um, there are a bunch of teams that we have not mentioned that have interesting storylines going into conference tournament week. Uh, we haven't brought up one loss LSU. Uh, we've talked about them on previous episodes of the podcast, but they continue to impress, although with not an asterisk, but I think some, some trepidation, we all feel like maybe they're, they're only losses to South Carolina, which is excusable, but not a strong out of conference schedule. The SEC isn't as strong as we thought it was going to be this year. Hard to know what to make of LSU. A um, couple other intriguing teams on here. Uh, Virginia Tech ends the season on an eight-game uh, eight winning streak. I don't know if... Uh, I, I know both Steve and Kyle are in on Virginia Tech. Um, I've talked to them separately about this off mic. 
But uh, in in both the AP and the coaches poll, they're up to the number nine spot. Elizabeth Kitley, twenty nine eleven against Virginia or against Georgia Tech. They're they're just a good team that doesn't win flashy and doesn't usually win big. Um, but they're a team to watch out for. There is uh, some news, and I sorry, I was going to toss this over to you, Steve, but I did want to touch on this really quickly. Uh, Notre Dame losing Olivia Miles to a non-contact knee injury yesterday. We don't have details on that yet. She did limp. I mean, she limped off the court gingerly, but she did get off on her own power. She was not carried off of the court or stretchered off of the court. So we're all hoping that that's something that maybe she's out of the conference tournament, but maybe she recovers by the time March rolls around. She's a big, I mean, she's the leading scorer on a number 10 team in the country. So that is a big storyline that we need to watch out for. Notre Dame is still a very good team, but hard to trust without Miles out there. Now I will toss it over to Steve. Steve, we've got 25 teams on this ranking list. We've talked about roughly 10 or 11 of them. Which ones stand out to you as having kind of interesting storylines heading into conference tournament week? Um, one that you already called out, if you're looking for the dark horse pick, if you're looking for your big-time sleeper pick, like who's going to make weird noise and disrupt a lot of things, it's the Hokies. I think Virginia Tech is just that good, and it's not just because, and you knew this was going to come up, their home whites are probably the best uniforms in the sport right now. Um, Gorgeous. Beautiful, oh, they're beautiful. Beautiful jerseys. Um, and, but they've played up to it as well, and they seem to play stout defensive basketball, which is what you need to stand up against some of these bigger teams in these tournaments. So they're an absolute fun team that I've um, – enjoy talking about your LSU question that I felt the exact same about is it's hard to gauge where they're going to be. South Carolina and LSU is going to be the final of the SEC tournament. I think it is going to take some real explosion for that to not happen. And that's going to be that test where I can finally determine what does LSU even do in this tournament? Like, did they make that game interesting? Um, but that, that, that in itself is kind of a story meant to be, I really was excited to come into this episode and talk about Notre Dame and the ride they were in because they were, were sitting on a win streak. They looked like they were piecing together, finding ways to to make amends with the fact that they lost Dara Mabry for the season, and then seeing where this Olivia Miles situation is makes it tough. It's really hard to tell exactly where that line goes. Um, so I, that's a just a cruddy situation as we look at it, but... Outside of that, as we're looking at this, the one interesting call-out, I sort of did hide on this, but like 25-5 and five Villanova has, yes. a, has a chance to do something that, I mean, I can look back in the history books. I don't know how long it's been. We've talked about how long UConn's been in the Final Four. The chance to, to bump a team seemingly on the ropes. It seems like nearly every conference game in the past couple of weeks – UConn has been put on the ropes. And in that stretch, they have beaten Villanova fairly comfortably. But did they have the mojo to finally pull this thing off? The Big East tournament, to me, is as interesting as it ever could possibly be because it was highly predictable for the last decade. And now we're looking at it going, so does Villanova have the juice to finally put it together and pull off a win against UConn when they haven't been able to yet this season? That's been their test Two of their five losses this year have been to UConn. Can they finally put that together? Could it be someone else's story within that conference? Because they have a chance to bear up early in the tournament against Georgetown, who took them late. It's a, So it's an interesting case there. 
But that team has been really interesting to watch. I've been, I've enjoyed a lot of what I've seen out of them. And that's kind of been the monkey on their back. Can they pull that off? So that right there has been, if I could call it any team just based on the list of all, you know, everyone that's been rising up there, they're an interesting story to me because they're kind of that current, you know, they're that Cody Rhodes looking to take down a tribal chief type of thing. Uh, situation, <laughs> the Rhea Ripley looking to take down Charlotte. It's hard to tell. Um, you know, if it's going to happen, but it has high potential and that's exciting. You know, non UConn fans are looking forward to the Big East tournament for the first time in some time. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good call. I think the Big East is actually really fun. Uh, A couple teams deep. You still have UConn who it's taking them in the tournament, like in, in your bracket to the final four hasn't felt like a risk for most of the past several years. I, I took Indiana over them last year because I'm a dummy and I was a little early on Indy. But um, this year is kind of interesting because it's it's easy to, to see what injuries have done to that UConn team. But I also think that they've had some some pretty good tests within the conference. And in the past, that has not been the case. But Villanova's a good team. Creighton, last year's tournament, Darling is a good team. They're 20-7. and seven. Marquette. Um, if they squeak into the tournament, can do some things. They they're an absolute wild card. I don't think Marquette is necessarily like having a special special year, but they're nineteen to nine, twelve and seven in conference, and they have that win over UConn um, kind of in their back pocket. So they're an interesting team. Big East. This is this is the first time I ever remember having more than two teams to talk about from the Big East um, in in like serious consideration. So I think they're very fun. Uh, I'm glad you called out Villanova. They have been keeping pace with, admittedly, a hampered UConn team all year long, and I, I feel like have moved quietly up to number 11 in the, in the national poll. Yeah. Um, right behind them, number 12, Texas. They're a team that is going to be... A lot of people are going to be all over the map when it comes time to build a bracket this March, and Texas is one of those teams that's kind of define whether you have a good, uh, a good bracket pool or not, because you got to choose whether or not you're going to trust a team that is going to win the Big 12 because somebody has to. Uh, but in the last three games, That's they the have beaten the crap out of number 13, Oklahoma, and they've also lost to number 22, Iowa State. You just don't know what you're going to get from Texas. I don't know if you have any Texas-specific takes, but that's my take is a complete wild card. I, I don't trust them. They're a, a roll of the dice every time they take the floor. Yeah. No, and that's, I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly just on that basis alone. Um, I really quick have to say about Villanova, had it not been for UConn, they would be on an 18-0 and run right now. They're 16-2. and Those two losses oh are to UConn. <laughs> Their other losses are to, to Baylor, Creighton, who at the time was 13th in the country, and Iowa State. So fairly respectable opponents across the board. They have a five-point loss. Um, earlier in the season to UConn. Uh, previous week, they lost by nine. So they've been able to be within striking distance. It's an interesting case if they're the team to do that. But the other thing is, I don't know that these early rounds are going to be as cakewalky for the Huskies as they've been in the past. And that's where that makes this whole thing interesting, mm-hmm. is if they make it into that final. And, and you have every reason to believe they will. But if they do, are they coming in having expended a lot more energy than they have in the past? and does that, you know, make a big point? And also, let's talk about player insight across this whole thing. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Caitlin Clark, and is her narrative enough to make the Big Ten tournament championship happen? Maddie Seacrest is in that exact seat right now. Um, 
mm-hmm. top scorer in the country, or at least top three, but one of the top scorers in the country um, has played at an extremely well. But if she's if she's able to find her heroics in there, does she play that same narrative for Biggie's title? Time will tell. Time will see what happens. To answer your actual question, no, I don't really have anything to say about Texas or the Big 12 in general. The only question <laughs> I have right now is how many Big 12 teams are anyone sincerely taking out of the first round of the NCAA tournament right now? And that's a real question. That's been a non-plus conference right now. Ooh. Um, Texas is look decent. That is, it depends on how many, it depends on how many mid-tier Big 12 teams face mid-tier yeah. SEC teams. You might squeak round. an Oklahoma team there, but at the to. same time, like, <laughs> you're looking at some of these, like, is that like, is an American conference team just gonna, or a colonial team gonna squeak out a big win? Is, you know. I'll, I'll say this. Ohio State, like, people have been fading Ohio State because they've been losing a bunch of big games. They play in a tough conference. They're not quite as dominant. I mean, they're not dominant at all. They're, they haven't been great. They've been a good team who occasionally plays great, but a lot of teams don't know, like, a lot of people don't know what to do with Ohio State. I would trust Ohio State over every Big 12 team. Yes. That's, that's a, I don't know if that's necessarily a, a I did a quick scan, not, and I would say <laughs> you could, you could talk me into Texas. A part of me wanted to say you could talk Oklahoma, but no. Um, I would probably. Yeah, they, I mean, I I think uh, Ohio State is just an interesting team to look at in general. They they have the horses to make a deep run. That's why they were ranked so high at the beginning of the season. They've dropped a bunch of games. Usually, when a team drops a bunch of games in a row, but then collects themselves, I don't worry so much about it. Ohio State hasn't exactly collected themselves to end the season. It doesn't feel like they're peaking at the right time, but they do have six players that average eleven points or more a game. They just spread the scoring out across everybody. They they just play as a team so well that I I'm not sure what I'm going to do. They, the Big Big Ten is just going to be really frustrating for everyone. But um, anyway, we we won't go team by team the rest of the way here, but but. Uh, we've got a good Gonzaga team's going to come out of that conference that no one pays any attention to. Uh, North Carolina and Duke, we haven't talked a ton about this year. They're both going to be in the mix. Of the three uh, Pac-12 teams that are here bunched at the... You've got 19, 20, and 21, UCLA, Colorado, Arizona. Colorado's my favorite of the three. I think they play the best defense. They're a fun surprise this year. They're on the up and up. The other two teams are trending down. I don't know if you have anything about those three teams you want to cover other than Buff- uh, Colorado has the best mascot of any of them. Like, who am I, who am I taking? Probably Arizona. Yeah. Just off my bridge. They've, they've, really? they've scored a couple, they've scored a couple decisive wins. And I don't know if it's just last year's Colorado performance late in the season, quenching my, like, quenching my energy toward them. But I would lean at Arizona, but um, I'm here to see Colorado potentially shut me up. I'm not against that idea. That's where I'd stand. I I hope they I hope they do something just because I think they've they've lived in the shadow of Utah's surprisingly great year. Um, last thing I'll say mm-hmm. because we are <laughs> probably uh, the most authoritative people that you'll find on Mountain West basketball around. We don't talk about it on the show a lot because when it comes to women's basketball, the Mountain West is not a premier conference by any means. But good for UNLV for staking their claim at number 22 Yay. in the nation despite despite playing in a... I, I'm not going to take them. It, it depends on the matchup. Maybe I'll take them one round. I'm not going to trust them in the bracket. But... Good for a Mountain West team for for 
you know, bringing some credit to a conference that, uh, you know, we're, we're Aggies fans. They're not having a great year. So we won't dwell on that too much. Um, there's a lot of teams that we did not talk about today. They've, you, you'll notice, uh, two key teams that we didn't talk about at all because they have fallen out of the standings. And I guess I want to wrap up on this. I don't want this to go too much longer as a, this is basically just a top 25 overview is what this episode has turned into. But you'll notice we did not mention Tennessee or NC State at all in the last 40 minutes. Uh, two teams, especially Tennessee, that were purported to be threats to the uh, the South Carolina crown coming into this year. Uh, Steve, any thoughts on Tennessee and NC State's uh, fall out of the rankings? I want to – I just the, – the Vols is just an overall story of – like where like I need to go back to everyone who was claiming this was the, the spoiler team for South Carolina <laughs> and just figure out like where what was your data? Show your work. Uh you're sitting on a ten loss team right now, and some of these losses aren't even you know, sit, you know, they started the year on a loss, that's one thing. They then went they then went what, two and five over their next stretch. Um, they dropped one to Gonzaga. They, I mean, they, they their losses are mainly to ranked teams. But I mean, dropping one late to Mississippi State, you're not going to win me over on that end. Um, it, I don't really know that I have much of a take on that other than just like it is sad because it felt like that was actually going to be a very intriguing take there. Um. NC State, it always feels like we have these strong ACC teams and there's always going to be one team that's kind of left out in the cold. And I don't know if it's because yeah. NC State lost a, a player, you know, I don't know what it is with their take, but it that one is a lot more intriguing of where did that drop happen. And it almost feels like every year you kind of have one team. For a while it was North Carolina and now North Carolina is back a little bit in the discussion. I mean, they were a top 10 team for a minute there. Um you know, Duke would teeter on the, the side of things, and they've been playing extremely good basketball. Um, Notre Dame had a couple off-seasons, as we saw recently, while Louisville was running things in that conference. And, um, you know, it's sadly, injury might have put a stop to that, but that makes it intriguing as well. Um, I almost wonder if the narrative there is just like the way the rotation is working, someone had to bump their way out of it, and somehow NZ State got fallen into that situation. So... Probably the best I could say. At nineteen and ten, I think they would have to be that Kentucky-like team. Would they would have to make a miracle run to find themselves in the tournament? As I look at <clears throat> Tennessee, I weirdly still think they're going to find their way in that discussion, just because I agree. The, they, I, yeah. I think they're going to want to give the SEC four, maybe even five teams in the tournament slot. You're going to see Tennessee's fall into there. You're going to see Ole Miss and Mississippi State fall into there. I don't think Alabama's out of the question when you're talking about teams that might find themselves in that. I think you're going to – I almost think in a way they're like, we have to find some way to make the, the South Carolina run a little more interesting and add a little more flair from the SEC into this bracket. And <laughs> you might end up seeing like a, a four or five – maybe not six team deep, but a four or five deep run coming out of there and into the tournament, which is why I think Tennessee will – Sneak their way in, even though I think there's maybe three three teams that deserve a shot for them. 
I I agree. I I kind of teed this question up to be a let's crap on Tennessee uh, session, but I'm glad that you didn't uh, do that because I I actually think they've played an incredibly difficult out of conference schedule. They've That's played. True. I mean, they've they basically they've played a lot of really tough teams and then just didn't pass any of those tests that they set up for themselves. So now they're a ten loss team that hasn't really been talked about all year because South Carolina and LSU are so much more of a story. But when it comes time for the bracket, they're going to get in as a four or five, six seed somewhere in there. And they're going to face up against, you know, the second place big East team. They're going to play Villanova or they're, or they're going to play Iowa state or someone like that. And if they get that early round with, if they have a good conference tournament in the SEC, or if they get that first win and kind of get that taste of like, yeah, we're, we can do this. We're still a good team. I could see them getting some things rolling in March. Uh, it, it's really matchup dependent. I, you know, they they have not had a lot of success against teams ranked above them in the standings so far this year. But no. yeah, right right now I see them projected on ESPN as a five seed, and I think they're going to be one that we really struggle to oust. Right, they're they're going to be in that five twelve matchup, and we're going to be like, oh, you know what? Kind of feels like Tennessee's thirteen and three SEC record has been kind of downplayed all year long. So they're going to be a tough one. Yep, that just about does it. Uh, that's your if if you haven't been paying attention to the college basketball rankings all year long, and you're like, what's going on in college women's basketball? Now you know. So uh, we're very excited for this coming week. This is this is conference tournament week, and then we're going to get into brackets. We're going to have a lot of episodes coming your way in March. Uh, I know Kyle has some some solo stuff planned because he's going to be talking about draft. Um, we all love brackets. The origin of uh, our earliest, earliest podcasting days began with just brackets. Um, and so we're, we're excited to kind of do a bracket reveal show here later on as soon as we know what the seedings and rankings are going to be. So be on the lookout for that. But yeah, stick with us throughout March. We're going to have a lot of stuff coming your way. Steve, any final takeaways from this very fun week in women's basketball? Get onto every conference's schedule. And I mean, every single one get their schedule, their turning schedule. They should all be televised. At the very least on ESPN Plus. If you don't have an ESPN Plus account, I would get a trial going for the next week or so because across all tournaments, it's going to be some really fun basketball. I think we will try to see if we can squeak in a tournament prediction episode by the end of the week. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but we'll see what we can pull off there. Um, but this is going to be just this is this is officially when uh, the world of basketball is fun for the rest of the year. We roll from this into March, straight into the draft. Straight into the W season. This is this is good times. So if you were looking for time to hop on the train, yeah. it's now. Yeah, I know it doesn't probably feel like it uh, because the WNBA is a summer, like it has a summer season. But there is literally no gap between <laughs> March Madness bracket. I, I, I think it's literally like six days between like crowning a champion and the actual WNBA draft, and then there's about a week of like, all right, join your team, and then let's go. Yes, yes. So this is really uh this is the last breather we're gonna have for a while. So enjoy, stick with us. Please. Thank you for uh, for listening. If you haven't left a if you haven't yet left a five star review, that helps us get found. So go ahead and do that. We'll read your review on air. Give me some love. Uh, without anything else to add, um, that does it for today's show. Hi, I'm Logan Jones. Hi, I'm Steve Schwartzman. And we got you next time. No, I'll see you later.